the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. February 14th, the year is 2020. Happy Valentine's Day from your friends here at the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee. I'm coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee, down there in Orlando, Florida. We found him. It wasn't easy. <laughs> I was like, no. I'm not, I'm not proud oh, of some man. of the things we had to do to find him, to get him back. But, we, but, but, but it was all worth it to be rejoined by our yeah. friend, our illustrious producer, Chandler String. Hello. And up there in Loveland, Virginia, he never went anywhere. He was on he was on a fact finding mission. I don't want to know the, the hands he had to shake or the or the backs he had to knife to get Chandler back. But I'm glad he did it. It's our friend Jesse Carey. There's blood on my hands that will never be washed away. <laughs> hello, hello. How is everyone? Happy Valentine's Day. Look what you've done to me, Chandler. Um, Chandler, I want to know your Valentine's Day plans, but does it involve dinner with all your plants? <laughs> Uh, i hadn't thought of that but that's a pretty good idea actually i mean they need love too right true absolutely 100 i have a, I have a okay quick context for people who 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 uh, don't know what i'm referring to chandler has recently take has devoted much of his energy to his love of of potted plants and planting you know just you know plants uh, around his home yeah and uh you know it's it's very disturbing the level that he's dove into this to this world do you eat salad in the house because i feel like that would be really awkward because you've surrounded yourselves with these plants you've like named them and then they see you eating a salad they're like we're owned our plant dad is a psychopath he's eating a bunch of our friends right at in front of time, us at any time it could be our number could be at up any too, time, yeah every day is a, every day is a gift like uh, one day, one day, uh, uh, Chandler like plants like a, a, a you know like a tomato vine out back, you know, uh-huh. and and the tomato vines like talking to the potted plants, like, hey guys, what's up? This this guy seems pretty cool. He seems pretty, and they're like, oh no, oh no, oh, no. oh don't tell him, don't tell him what's coming. So anyway, <laughs> happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to to everybody out there. Uh, but whether you're in a relationship, not in a relationship, or in a relationship with something. That's not necessarily that not everybody would consider to be a relation. A relationship. <laughs> yeah, Those yeah. can be very rewarding too. But we we, we understand that that love is is complicated, and, and we're in complicated times, and people we're find emotional yeah. fulfillment with whoever, or in some cases, whatever uh, they've got laying around the house, growing in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Later on the podcast. So speaking of love, we do love this person. Always cool when Christine Kane shows up she joins us to talk about her new book it's called the 2020 bible study and also jesse we've got to get we we, we worked on this long and hard yesterday jesse we spared no we did. expense we did. for, for right. the fans that this is yeah, that's this, the level was, this of, is about three weeks we of work <laughs> three weeks of work went into our valentine's day game <laughs> called it's complicated and it's it, it, it's it's titled that because the rules of the game are extremely complex <laughs> it's a very unintuitive game but we this got is, a lot to get to this so is we this, usually, this is real this is really this is True story, Jesse. You called me up yesterday to explain the rules, and you had to run them through. I think three times before I 
It's about the cones, Tyler. <laughs> it's it's the podcast equivalent of the cones of Dunshire. It's very complicated, but very rewarding once you dedicate oh, I yourself. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited. I can't I, wait to see I, how this goes I, down. You know, before playing the game, I instruct players to take at least two evenings to familiarize themselves with the rule booklet, which is about 400 pages. So very excited for this. The listener's been prepping. And Chandler, I didn't tell you this, but you're going to be playing the game. And so oh, uh, against the listener, and you're just going to pick up the rules on the fly because <laughs> I've been trying to get in touch with you for weeks and just found you in that very concerning situation early this morning that I got you out of. That's all that needs to be said. But payments were made and necks have been snapped. And now you are with us. So, Chandler, <laughs> Chandler, Chandler, I got to ask this. Uh, this will be really this will be really brief. I know we got a lot to get to today, but I do have to ask. You're uh, I, you're you're a big fan of podcasts. You're a, you're a DJ. You love music. You care about people's audio experiences, obviously. Sure. When we when we have to bring in Clark because you're off doing whatever. It, I don't need to know. I don't want to know. If I don't know, I don't have to lie. When when you're when you're and so Clark takes over and we we love Clark Flippo he's great at what he does he jumps on yep. the podcast to, to handle it yep. does it does it drive you nuts do you do you listen to it and you're like oh I wouldn't have done it that way like does it does it lack your trademark oomph and, no, and pizzazz I, I, every time I, I I do the edit and the mix so he's just yeah, recording sure. yeah so he's yeah. there for the recording and then like this week just I, re- I did just I did recording. the editing yeah. yeah just recording. As if yeah. um, you can't just throw it. You can't just throw anybody back there. You can't just throw <laughs> yeah. your house plants back no, on the record. Of course not. Of course not. Absolutely. It's a tough job. He does a great yeah. job. Uh, I can see. I can. Yeah. The, the Clark Chandler rivalry is strong. We should have <laughs> we should, we should, Clark come in and play a game with Chandler one day. We should pit them against each other. We should just record two the same I podcast. Don't, I don't want, I don't want uh-huh. le- listeners to, to read into this, but Chandler named his least favorite plant Clark. <laughs> I don't know what to read it. into that. I don't. I don't want it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's he's a, he barely waters it. It's it pretty weird. It's, it's, so. a dead, it's a dead plant just sitting there. <laughs> it's just a it's pot of dry dirt. In a, in a, <laughs> Why don't you grow, Clark? Yeah. <laughs> Clark, we're gonna have you on, and we're we're gonna, we're gonna get this. We're gonna fuel this rivalry. So <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna juice it. Intentionally juice yeah. it. Oh, uh, we got. Oh, man, we do have a lot to get to today. We need to get going. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna do the hot list. Picture perfect, you don't need no filter Gorgeous, make them drop dead, you a killer Shower you with all my attention Yeah, these are my only intentions Stay in the kitchen, cooking up, got your own bread Heart full of equity, you're an asset Make sure that you don't need no mentions Yeah, these are my only We're excited to tell you that today's episode of The Relevant Podcast is brought to you by our church leadership podcast. It's called Called. Basically, every episode, we bring in a roundtable of church leaders and influencers to talk about ways that church leaders can be more impactful, that their ministries can reach more people, but also how how people in ministry can care for themselves and care for their marriages and relationships. If you are in church leadership or if you know someone in church leadership, tell them to check out Called. You'll hear from leaders like Julia Veach, 
like Eugene Cho. Uh, our latest episode features John Eldridge. Like I said, it's everything from self-care to outreach to new ministry strategies. You're not going to miss it. It's called Called. Even if you're not uh, in church leadership, but just want to know more about that world, check it out. This season debuted to huge numbers. We are really excited about how many people are engaging with Called this season. So check it out. It's called Called. It's You can get it wherever you get your podcast. It's Relevance Church Leadership Podcast. We're really excited about it. And we're really excited to bring you perspectives and insights from some of uh, you know the, the the big names and influencers in the church world that are making an impact and, and wanting to impart wisdom on church leaders around the country. Check it out. It's called Called. You're listening to Intentions by Justin Bieber. Beginning of the podcast, you heard Need Your Love. That's by Tennis. All right. It's time for our weekly look back at some of our favorite faith and culture stories that came across our desks this week. It's time for... It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. Uh, number five this week, Christian rapper D. Swan collaborated on a remix for a Liam Payne single. Okay, so D. Swan is a producer and he got asked to remix uh, the former One Direction singer's single with cheat codes called Live Forever. Swan told our friends over at Rapzilla, Liam and his team were great and cheat codes is awesome. I love them to death. It's been a true blessing. The reception was great. Liam loved the record. Doing a track like this has helped me and my guys a lot. A lot of the DJs in the EDM scene have commented on the record. It also opened a lot of production opportunities as well. God is so good and the plays and reviews have been well received. He also says he hopes the song will point people towards faith. He said, we've all had a point in our life where life was going in a spiral until we had an encounter with Christ. From that, our lives changed for the best. Here is a clip. I was always gonna live fast, die young, slow down when you came alone, yeah. Burn bright, burn out, but now you made me wanna live forever. Tyler, I have a, I have a question. What's what's your take on uh, you know the some of the the solo careers and solo offerings of the One Direction crew so far? Mm-hmm. I I, I'm a, I actually like a lot of what they're doing. Oh, like I, I do know too. I know that they they sort of have boy band uh, um, you know origins, but you know. I think all of the solo stuff that they have released, particularly obviously Harry Styles, but even the Liam Payne stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think Harry Styles is. I think is in an interesting trajectory. Could I could even see him becoming sort of like a Bowie type of like a David Bowie type of figure. You know, he seems to not shy away from experimentation. And Liam Payne is a bit more kind of down the middle, you know, when it comes to pop, but it's still smart pop. And I think it's really cool that he chose D Swan, who is well known in the Christian hip hop circles you know, for this remix. And it's cool that, you know, D Swan, it's getting him some exposure. And also he's kind of pointing people to faith with it. But Tyler, what's your take on, on the one D? Yeah. I mean, there's kind of an old mantra in the industry about how follow, follow the, the bands that teen girls are listening to. Cause those are the ones that end up changing the world. You know, Beatles and the stones were the NSYNC and Backstreet Boys of their day. And and now they're, and now they're not 
considered like teen girl fair anymore. They're, they're the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Same thing with NSYNC. You know, NSYNC gave us Justin Timberlake and, and, uh, and I think One Direction is the exact same way with some of the, especially Harry Styles, but all those guys are releasing music that still is shaping Billboard. And I think the same will probably be true for like BTS uh, in the future here. Yeah. So keep an sure. eye, whatever, whatever 14, 15 year old girls are listening to, uh, pay attention to that because that's the stuff that the rest of us are going to be listening to in, in no time. And I, yeah. I, 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 I Billie Eilish like is another example. Like, a she example. had a big, you know, mm-hmm. kind of SoundCloud online following among people in her peer group. You know, Billie Eilish is still a teenager. And now she's becoming one of the most important pop stars uh, in, in, in America right now. Ty, uh, uh, Chandler, are you a directioner or any of your plants directioners? <laughs> that's, that's what we call fans of one direction. Right? Uh, I'm. I've only seen. I saw Harry Styles on SNL. I thought it was great, uh-huh. yeah. but I haven't. I haven't really like he's listened a good to any of the albums. Really yeah, no, yeah. he's super talented for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. Te- teen girls get a lot of grief for their music choices. Everybody loves to make fun of what the what the teen girls are listening to, and then two years later, those bands get a, get a quick rebrand, and we're all listening to it too. Right. Like, teen girls are smart. They're they're smart yeah. media consumers. Yeah, exactly. so pay attention. <laughs> pay attention. Um, okay, so number four this week, uh, <laughs> uh, Jesse, you wrote this one up. I, I admire your 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 objective journalistic stylings here. This why? Because I editorialized on the, on <laughs> the rundown a little bit. Well, I, I don't know added, if I call this editorialization. Okay, okay. I don't know if I call okay, this. Right, how about this? this, how about this? True. You read the headline that I wrote for this this morning, uh-huh. and yeah. you tell me, and I'll let listeners, I'll let Chandler guess which word I may have added. Okay, so <laughs> okay. read the headline, Tyler. All right, are you ready, Chandler? Yeah. All right. A spoken word performance is causing a dumb controversy in the SBC. <laughs> <laughs> That's AP um, style 101, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. Are we capitalizing dumb now in headlines? Is that, that I did yeah, I miss that in the style guide? And this was a mad lib headline. Ty- Tyler wrote the headline, but he like left a blank when it just said adjective in front of the word controversy. It was like a spoken word off- a word performance is causing a blank controversy in the SBC. Well, it's the SBC. Uh, so uh, never mind, never mind. Tell, tell us the story, Tyler. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you the story, and then we can make it. I, I don't mean. I, I'm not throwing shade at, at all of the SBC. Uh, of course not. Know that. No. It's this, this is this appears to be the source of the controversy. Seems to be a small minority of passers, but still, it's it's ridiculous that this controversy is happening at all. We do. I, I you know, I, I want to say we do have a lot of friends in the SBC, and and, and a lot. Yeah, it clearly it, says it, the controversy is dumb. Not the, not yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Exactly. the Baptist Convention. Exactly. So, exactly. I'll, I'll read what happened, and, and listeners can make up their own minds about whether or not this controversy has just how substantive it really is. So, East Lake Church teaching pastor and spoken word artist Hosanna Wong was scheduled to perform is scheduled to perform at the upcoming Southern Baptist Convention Pastors Conference, but some SBC pastors have a problem with this. In addition to being a spoken word artist, Wong is an author. She's the executive director of Calvary Street Ministries, which is an outreach that brings hope to the homeless and low-income families in San Francisco. She travels the country speaking and performing at prominent churches of many different denominations. Uh, listen to a, a little bit of her art, her spoken word art, when I when she came across our oh, radar this week. She's very talented. She's a really gifted writer and performer. Um, over at the Beloved SPC Conference's website, it's called Beloved. It's not 
necessarily beloved to us. The yeah, beloved no, SBC Conference's website. I didn't <laughs> edit toward. That's not yeah. an adjective. This I is added. just true. That's capital, the Passers Conference B, this year. Yeah, the, ca- the Passers Conference this year is is the theme is beloved. So it's the beloved SBC's conference. And actually, I should read at the beloved beloved SBC's conference website. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a beloved controversy. Okay. Are, I did the wrong, I did the wrong Mad Lib. Okay. Uh, the 10 people, there are 10 people on the confirmed speakers list. Uh, they are all men, uh, but Wong and worship artist Phil Wickham are listed on the special guests area. And that was just a little too much for some people involved here. <laughs> Conference president David Uth confirmed to Baptist Press, quote, she's not preaching. She's not coming as a preacher. She's coming as a musical artist. SBC pastors have expressed their disapproval of Wong's appearance at the conference. Michael Frost is the founder of Tinsley Institute at Moreland College. That's an Australian Christian college. He asked his followers to pray for Wong, noting that some pastors are organizing against Wong and the conference, possibly planning a boycott. You've told Baptist Press, quote, we knew there would be some who objected, but then we look back in our past and there have been others that have spoken, both at Southern Baptist Convention and at pastors conferences that have not even been a Southern Baptist. He also said his team is monitoring social media, adding, quote, if we sense that it is going to be an environment that is not going to be helpful to her or it's going to be in some way hurtful, I would not risk that for anything. She's a precious lady. She and her husband do a great work in San Francisco. The SBC has recently come under scrutiny for how it treats women leaders and Bible teachers. Beth Moore and anti-sexual abuse advocate Rachel Denhollander have taken to Twitter to support Wong. Denhollander noted of all the times the SBC covered up the abuse of women by church leaders. She said, quote, where were the calls for public repentance? Because sexual abuse isn't seen as that big of a deal, nor is covering it up. Moore added, quote, exactly. I want nothing more to do with it, but I'm going to have a dang hard time staying silent if they look like they are going to put Hosanna through anything similar to what others of us have endured over these people. She's not preaching at it for crying out loud. Here is a clip of Hosanna's performance at Saddleback. This was back from 2015. Whatever you are chained to, Jesus Christ has come to set you free. Whatever pieces of your past you hold tight to, there is a savior who paid your debt so you can let those memories be. Whatever you are so used to being defined by, the Son of God has come to speak truth to those lies. And I know this to be right because he did all that for me. So what are you chained to? I think she's awesome. And I think everyone at that conference will profoundly benefit from having her, her, her perform. And if she wanted to speak, having her speak. Really can't add anything that that Rachel and Beth that didn't already say and, yeah. and say super well at the at that point. It's just such a the the hypocrisy can be just really it, the controversy in and of itself. I find to be like some would say dumb. I, who's the, I, I don't want to weigh it. Some would say dumb. I'm quoting. I'm quoting. This is a quote from Relevant Magazine here. This is it's a dumb controversy. It, it, it's just this stuff that like it, yeah. It's just the stuff that some Christians and some denominations constantly make a big deal out of is it's disheartening sometimes, especially when there are so many things in the world. As as Rachel Denhollander and Beth Moore uh, noted, especially within the SBC, they've had so many, you know, the Houston Chronicle did that big and, you know, series of investigative reports. uh, I think it was last year or or, yeah, late last year uh, about, you know, 
dozens of incidents of the, you know, SBC churches covering up the abuse of women by by leaders in churches. And so, yeah, it's it, what, what, what they're choosing to make a big deal out of is ridiculous. But you, like you said, Tyler, I think Beth and Rachel have said it best. Yeah, yeah, I do. And it's been amazing to watch. The Rachel in particular has it's been a it's been a Herculean task for her to try to get them to care about the, the sexual abuse crisis and and obviously the the journalistic team down there at the Houston Chronicle also did it, it took months of reporting and it still didn't yield the sort of results that a lot of people thought it should and then something like this manages to get uh, the the convention or not the entire convention but a lot of members of the convention upset overnight without any work at all it's it's uh, it can be very very disturbing heartening, especially, I'm sure, for those women who have worked so hard to to get them to take important things more seriously. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> number three this week, hookers for Jesus was trending on Twitter. Finally. What a week. What a week. There's never a shortage of faith in, in, in culture stories, especially these days. It seems like there are a lot more conversations are happening at that intersection, you know, whether it's uh-huh. internet culture like this next one with, with Twitter, uh, you know, spoken word or, or pop music. Uh, but this was, there was just some weird stuff this week, you know, this is one of the weirder ch- ones. Yeah, they, and this story is pretty pretty weird, particularly you know because the name because this news story got the phrase "hookers for Jesus" trending on Twitter. You know, like and it was one of the weird yeah. kind of goofball stories that actually led to some actual deeper, intri- more interesting, and maybe more important yeah. issues. You know what I mean? Like you start pulling yeah. up this thread, and it does, and it does lead somewhere uh, that kind of matters. Uh, So here's what happened. Uh, On Monday, Hookers for Jesus was trending in the U.S. that stems from a news story that actually involves the Department of Justice. So the DOJ is taking heat following a whistleblower complaint, which revealed that Hookers for Jesus received about half a million dollar grant that had been earmarked for anti-human trafficking operations. Outside contractors recommended two established qualified anti-human trafficking orgs. Catholic Charities for the Diocese of Palm Beach and Chicanos por la Casa of Phoenix. But the DOJ opted to give the funds to Hookers for Jesus and another organization called the Lincoln Tubman Foundation instead. Now, both of these organizations received much lower ratings by the outside contractors who flagged them for several controversial practices and a lack of expertise. Hookers for Jesus was founded in 2007 by Annie Lobert and operates Destiny House, which serves as a safe house for sex trafficked women and sex workers who want to leave the industry. Destiny House bans secular magazines with articles, pictures, etc. that portray worldly views or advice on living, sex, clothing, and makeup tips. That's, Newsweek, that's, that, that, that's their words, right? That is their exact yeah, words. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pulled from yeah. them. Uh, Newsweek says the organization's teachings on homosexuality may leave them open to federal anti-discrimination laws and also called into question Hookers for Jesus's experience with minors and male victims of human trafficking. So the head of the Office of Justice Programs is named Catherine Sullivan. She told Reuters, quote, this might be something that may be appropriate for our civil rights department to look at. Those are not facts or things that we would know ahead of time. 
The Lincoln Tubman Foundation received the other half of the grant, and uh, it has, quote, little to no experience in human trafficking, according to the memos obtained by Reuters. The organization was founded in 2018 by Brooke Burris. She runs it out of her parents' mansion. Catholic Charities of the Diocese of Palm Beach and Chicanos Por La Casa of Phoenix. The two organizations originally marked to receive the funds or recommended to receive the funds have publicly opposed the Trump administration's harsh immigration policies. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that... No, that can't be right. That the White House would be vindictive against people who have made, you know, legitimate, uh, raised legitimate concerns about some of their policies. That, that, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't sound up. right. <laughs> We're going to hurt you in an unrelated way because we didn't like something that you said about us months ago. That is a legitimate policy concern. No, come on. <laughs> we, there's no, like, obviously there's no, there's no Official, there's no <laughs> official line that you can draw here. They didn't say that there was any sort of, of yeah. quid pro quo involved here. But that it is just hard. doesn't sound like this White House to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to notice. It's hard not to to at least it would it would be it would be wrong to not bring up that that is that that is something that these two organizations have in common. I, it, listen, a lot of coincidences happen when Clark <laughs> stepped in and did and did the role Chandler usually does last week. Plant Clark back at, at, uh, at Chandler's house was uh, suddenly moved away from the sun lamp. And that was just a coincidence. It was he was cleaning yeah, up. He forgot to move it back. Things happen. Things happen. Draw your own conclusions. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I also think one thing that I thought, like, there's a lot going on here. One thing I thought was funny was this woman who's the head of the Office of Justice Programs. She's the big kahuna over there. She's in charge of all this, who says, who acknowledge that these come that these that this whistleblower brought up something that would be quote appropriate for our civil rights department to look at and then she said those are not facts or things that we would know ahead of time you wouldn't know you wouldn't have looked at the brochure you wouldn't like, have like, like, like this is, what do you look at yeah what, what what were you aware of ahead of time before giving a million dollars of our money away to organizations what were you looking at, if not just basic information about yeah. these organizations that's readily available to anyone with an internet yeah. access? You know? I'm sure. I'm sure a lot happens. I'm sure a lot comes across this woman's desk all day long. There's a lot that she has to do. But again, if that's the, the, the it sounds like one of these people is running an organization out of her parents' mansion. I'm not sure that she needs a million dollar grant. For yeah. if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if your HQ is in a man is in your parents' mansion, then maybe find somebody who could use a million dollars because it doesn't sound like they need one. Well, especially because memos uh, determine that uh, at this point, I mean, it's a relatively young organization. It was founded just last year or in 2018, yeah. rather, uh, that it has little to no experience in anti-human trafficking. So it is yeah. an interesting choice. But I'm sure all of this is a big coincidence. Big if I know if I know anything about Washington, D.C right now this will be cleared up with transparency <laughs> and graciousness no problem no they will not problem. rest until they've apologized to wrong parties corrected yeah. the, the the record and made it clear that there was no sort of vindictive yeah no, no, no there's nothing vindictive about the judgment call they made yeah yeah exactly in the meantime plant clark is withering away without sunlight <laughs>
<laughs> Again, big misunderstanding. That's all. That's all. Oh, These yeah, things happen. <laughs> okay, number two this week. Oh, a Francis Chan sermon went viral. Okay, so... Uh, and this one is interesting. Francis Francis has been popping across our desk uh, a little more lately. Uh, yeah, actually, since yeah. he since he left the spotlight, we've been talking about him more than usual. So, yeah. writer, preacher, founder of Crazy Love Ministries, and former megachurch pastor Francis Chan recently spoke at Moody Bible Institute, my alma mater, and opened up about what he says was a miraculous experience while ministering in a remote village in Myanmar. So, in the sermon, he discussed his evolving views on faith in the supernatural, even though he grew up unsure of his beliefs in modern day miracles, he has recently been praying for people to be healed. Uh, for the last few years, he says, I have believed, I believed in miracles. When I meet the sick, I pray for them, believe for healing. And I'm so shocked because every time I prayed, nothing would happen. It gets discouraging. But recently, while sharing the gospel to people living in a village in Myanmar, he said he prayed, God, please, please hear. He explains, people started coming forward for healing. Every person I touched was healed. You guys, okay, this is craziness to me. I have never experienced this in 52 years. He said this included uh, people who were healed were a little boy and a little girl who were deaf. He said, you guys, this is out of my comfort zone. This is stuff I'd read about, but I'm going, man, it happened. I thought I had faith, but my faith was at another level. Chan recently announced that he and his family would be leaving the U.S. and moving to Asia to become full-time missionaries. Here's a clip of his sermon. When I first believed in high school, I took this book so literally. I got saved in a Baptist church. They told me to read the Bible. I start reading the Bible. And I'm like reading going, whoa, are you kidding me? With faith, I can move mountains? No joke, no exaggeration. I went in my bedroom, I closed the door, and I thought, I'm going to move stuff. <laughs> I did. Because I'm just going, that's what the Word of God says. You know, and I'm just like staring at my chair and going, I believe. You know? You know, and it's like, okay, I'll start with like a pen, you know? That's not moving. And then I literally just thought, okay, if I can just make this shutter a little bit of the body, you know, nothing. And my gosh, you know, what was that? And then, you know, people started explaining the word of God to me and they go, well, he didn't really mean that. He didn't really mean this. Didn't really mean this. And then throughout life, people just kept telling me, I'm like, gosh, it, it seems like that whatever I ask in his name, no, he didn't really mean that. He wants us to do things beyond what I can imagine. No, he doesn't. Re and everything just kind of got reduced. And no, no, no. So every promise I would see, I began to just look at it and go, I didn't mean that. But it was just later and deeper study, I just go, gosh, I'm seeing these people with faith. And it was that faith of the centurion goes, no, Jesus, I know what it means to be in charge. You could just, you don't even have to go to my house. And she's like, whoa, I've never seen faith like that. I really, really enjoyed the sermon and I appreciate mm -hmm. Francis Chan and his ministry and his, you know, devotion to, you know, the fidelity of, of scripture and, you know, his, 
you know, he's one of those guys who, you know, one of these leaders who I really feel like kind of puts his money where his mouth is. You know, he stepped away from the mega church he founded. He, you know, he he's, you know, preparing to live life as full time as a missionary. You know, he really, really has a passion for the gospel. And and, you know, generally people don't associate him with sort of more charismatic, like uh, Pentecostal type of ministry you know, like publicly talking about praying for healings and for, you know, actually going into places and, and asking if people want prayers for healings. But I, I thought it was really cool and honestly challenging, like as a believer, as someone who, you know, is, is a Christian who believes, you know, the Bible and the Great Commission and, and our call to, to reach people who, who are suffering. I found it really challenging to, to be like, listen, that is that's pretty bold. I mean, I know mm-hmm. there are people that maintain different beliefs about modern day miracles and, and healings, but I found it very challenging in, in that like, hey, I, I'm really glad he's talking about this. And I'm really glad that it's potentially challenging more Christians to, you know, really examine what they think about some of, uh, you know, about what the Bible says about, you know, the supernatural and, and what ministry can look like. I know there's a lot of different takes out there about uh, like miracles and, and cessationism and, and people of, of good conscience can disagree on those things. But one thing I really, really like about Francis a lot is that he's he's kept growing. You know, he hasn't calcified in his beliefs. He's he's changed a lot and he's been really open about his own faith evolution. And he's he's talked about it and he's been open to saying when he doesn't know and, and what's changed and what new experiences he's having. It is so easy for us um, even at my age, I, I'm younger than Francis, but even at my age to kind of be like, okay, this is what I believe now. This is where I'm at. And my, and you, you kind of stop your faith journey just kind of ends at a certain point. And that has not been, uh, even at Francis's level, it's, it's not been his, he hasn't been content to just atrophy in his own exploration of, of who God is in his life. And, and that's been really inspiring to see. And, and I hope that that's something that we can all, Oh, that's something we do. It's something I want to do, you know? Tyler, you, I, I went to Oral Roberts University, which is, yeah. I've talked about many times, which is, uh, you know, healing services and things like that were not uncommon. Oral Roberts was, you know, was a faith healer. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, sure, yeah. but, but Moody, where you went uh, and where this sermon took place, mm-hmm. is not really known for that. Uh, no, much that, more that, traditional. That lane, yeah, yeah. I'll say that lane of theology or ministry. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, uh, um, how old, if you were a student, when you were a student there, if Francis Chan mm-hmm. would have come and delivered this sermon, what do you think the reaction would have been among, you know, your, your fellow uh, 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 Bible school classmates? Yeah, that I think that's interesting. So it was, I mean, I graduated 07, so it's been a while and, and I, I haven't. I reached out to one friend of mine who still works over there and, and he said he hadn't heard anything about the sermon. So I don't think it like set the campus ablaze or anything. It yeah. doesn't sound like, but uh, I think that for the most part there was, I don't think there was an official moody statement on that, but it was sort of generally accepted that that doesn't really happen anymore. Like that was a time in church history that, that mm. miracles were a time in church history and that's known as cessationism. And that was taught pretty regularly by most of the theology profs that I had there. But then once a year they had this thing called missions conference where you bring in all the missionaries from all over the world. And we, yeah. we'd, they, you know, and you bring missionaries in it, it, it's, 
it, it's like the wild west of theology all of a sudden it, it's like mad max fury road <laughs> they start talking about all the weird stuff that they that they've seen and experienced and talk and and the stories are are really amazing and and uh, like some really inspiring really cool like head trips that they'll, that they'll give you in these classes and that was always a really fun time of year because you are exposed to so many different beliefs and experiences that these people have that that it took them in many cases like Francis talking about here getting outside of the context of American spirituality to see how God is working and acting in other parts of the world and and I think that that's you either have to write them all off as liars or say that there is there is just a different in how uh and, and how they're experiencing God in other places around the world, and even just in other churches in this own country. I, I also, Tyler, I, I agree with everything you said, and people should watch this sermon. They can see it over it's very cool. at relevantmagazine.com. Yeah, yeah. it, 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 watch the full hour. If you have time over your lunch break or want to, want to play, it is very inspiring and very challenging. But Tyler, I also like how wholesomely you painted your time at Moody because you're like, <laughs> it was a really fun week. I mean, like everyone, the whole campus <laughs> gets really excited. It's Obviously, it's Missionaries Week is what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's not like, you know, the Rush like Week or, you know, the big game. <laughs> Week. It's like oh, missionaries week at Moody. <laughs> anything, anything Get was the an grape juice pizza party. <laughs> missionary week. Had, this is that's that was really common at colleges, right? Everybody had missionaries come in once a year. That was like a the campus goes just wild, just wild. Everybody, everybody gets excited. You dress up in traditional garb. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, no, yeah. Just me. <laughs> just me. You're tailgating, like eating. <laughs> Great like, outside, everyone, everyone's tailgating outside of chapel with you know <laughs> Sprite and stuff, cans of ice cold cans of Sprite. Oh, duels, really going wild. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> missionary week. <laughs> Give me an M. It's wild. <laughs> Give me an I. And they're like, we're gonna spell all of this. We're they're like, it's missionary week. <laughs> Better believe it. Uh, hang on, two S's, I think. Uh, there's an I. A mission. I give me an I. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, wild, man, wild after times. all this, after all this, we've talked about. We've we've really run the gamut from SBC controversies to to spiritual gifts, and the supernatural. But there could only be one number one story this week. That's right. And it was a hard, right. it was a hard race to the top. And this is how you know this is a Jesse Carey list uh, because number one this week, indie rock. <laughs> Again, this is this was this is not my writing. This is this is Jesse's this is, own writing. This is- you can call a, this a journalism students. No, no, no. Journalism students. AP style book aficionados. Read the headline and just be like, well crafted. Well, well done. <laughs> Objective. I got all the facts I need right here. This is what it says. See if you can see if you can if you can smell out where this might be called some level of of personal bias may have entered into the writing of this headline. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Indie rock legends. Jimmy Eat World. Performed a tiny desk concert. Now, the band brought down. What, what, what do you? What do you? Do? Legends, Jesse. You don't. I'm, I'm willing to listen. I, and, I, and you're talking to a fan. You're talking to a fan. All right, Obviously. Chandler. Chandler, do you agree that the band Jimmy World are indie rock legends? I wouldn't say indie rock. I'd say just, right, just rock and roll. You know, in general, regular. I mean, regular well, I, I will say. Yeah. Uh, so okay. Here's here's my. I, I, I feel like they're, they're they're 
pretty mainstream. You know what I mean? Like well, they, they, they are like, now. I feel like they are. They have mainstream songs, but I yeah. feel like if you actually listen to their catalog, I mean, you know, they really. Um, they really paved the way for a lot of, uh, uh, you know, they were very influential to a lot of very influential uh, yeah. uh, fans. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, sure. Um, and I feel like Clarity and Static Prevails are looked at as like, you know, pretty important kind of indie rock albums. And also their jump from an indie label to a major label was a pretty big deal, you know, back in the day, but they did, you know, album EP splits on like Jade tree. Like they were pretty important. Mm -hmm. Even vulture this morning, uh, released the top emo songs, the top 100 emo songs of, of all time. And of course the Jimmy world song was like number three on that list. So I stand, I stand by it. All right. I'm not, I'm not pushing back. I'm not pushing back. I was a, I was, I was, uh, I don't know how old it was when Clarity came out, like 13 or so, October 13. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe younger than that. I don't remember. But yeah, I, they were, they were an important band to me, uh, when I was young and kind of like, like starting to discover my own musical tastes independently yeah. of, uh, like for the first time. That was a, they were a big one. And they, and they introduced me to a lot of, like, you know, that you start digging a thread, you know, you like find one yeah. band and they lead you to another band. And and a lot of my music really through through all of high school, probably Jimmy World was like the root first find that led to places like like Project Seems Forever, eh, Dashboard Confessional and May. Yeah, and, for sure. You know, for sure. Like yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, the band brought out. So they were on <laughs> they were on NPR this week. That's the age we're getting to. Uh, the band brought out acoustic guitars for the NPR series, which features bands playing stripped down sets in their offices. They did not disappoint. Here is a clip of them playing a Jimmy, the, the, the Jimmy world song that you undoubtedly know. If you know one Jimmy world song, it's this one. It just takes some time. Little girl, you're in the middle of the ride. Everything, everything will be just fine. Everything, everything will be all right. All right. It just takes some time. Now, Jesse, think, when you you when you wrote me about this, you you sent me this uh, clip yesterday. You're excited about it. Then you you expressed some disappointment that they didn't do a few more of the deep cuts. The Jimmy World, they didn't go deeper and into for, the catalog for, for the reasons that Chandler articulated. Because later in their career, I feel like they were out there slogging it around in a band, just like in a van, like every other kind of indie rock band of that era, of that late '90s era. You know, mm -hmm. it, you, you could mm -hmm. see, you could literally go to a show, you, you know, a, a lot of nights and a, a, a lineup of like Jimmy World and like Juliana Theory and all, you know, all those bands were always playing all the time, and that's a tough life out there. So they did i do feel like jimmy world cashed in later by writing some more kind of like mainstream poppy stuff uh it would have been nice for them to bust out a couple of the deep Next cuts time. i did i did see them in concert this summer and they played they played oh, some stuff right. from deep in the yeah, catalog i saw so, them last year so. actually they came and did uh, a live on the green thing here in here in nashville oh, cool. and then i had a great time uh, it was super yeah, yeah. fun we had a lot of fun yeah i um, and, and i added it to the list because we talked about a lot of heavy stuff we talked about the spc yeah. thing and the not a and Jesus, and you mentioned yeah, yeah, but, what yeah. was it yesterday you, you said you told me your favorite jimmy world song and i can't remember what it was now it's off clarity. It's called for me. This is heaven. That's right. And it is, it is, it, it, it embodies everything I love about that era of, you know, I feel like it's no longer, um, 
uh, you know, kind of corny to call it like emo, but it, it, it is, it embodied everything I loved about music from that era. But it's called for me, if everyone wants to, to hear the song, it's called For Me, This Is Heaven. It's off the album Clarity. You will not be disappointed. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's. It's the hottest, the it's just- Stay tuned when you come back. Christine Kane joins us. You're listening to Emma McGrath. The song is called Fall With You. To you by our friends at BetterHelp. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Now you can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. Uh, You can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Licensed professional counselors are available who are specialized in depression, anxiety, sleep issues, grief, family issues, and more. BetterHelp has 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states. And of course, if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time and everything you share is confidential. Best of all, it is a truly affordable option. The relevant podcast listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code relevant. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash relevant. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash relevant. Well, Christine Kane is a Bible teacher, speaker, author, and the founder of the global anti-human trafficking organization, the A21 Campaign, as well as Propel Women, an organization designed to activate women to fulfill their God-given passion, purpose, and potential with her husband, Nick. She's also behind the brand new 2020 Bible study. We recently spoke with Christine about the powerful vision behind the powerful seven-session Bible study. Uh, Jesse, you recently spoke to Christine. Uh, you got a chance, I think, very recently spoke to Christine. Wasn't yeah. it just a couple days ago? Yeah. yeah and it, you uh, got to talk to her about all this. Yeah, it was yesterday. And I love talking to Christine. It's so encouraging every time I get to talk to her. You know, I've, I've been privileged enough to be able to to talk to her a, a number of times and, 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 you know, got to hang out with her at Catalyst a little bit last year. And it's always so, just encouraging is the word when you get to yeah, hang out yeah, with her. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, you know, we're going to have more of this conversation in a piece on relevantmagazine.com next week. So people, if you want to hear more of this, check it out. But I wanted to talk about the 2020 Bible study because it's based on a really, uh, a really powerful idea and, and hence the, you know, sort of the, the double meaning behind 2020. In addition to being, you know, a, a Bible study that I think a lot of people have benefited from going through this year, it, 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 encourages people to see God, to see themselves the way that God mm-hmm. sees them. And that's the t- kind of the 2020 vision that it's hinting at that, you know, if we can start to see ourselves the way that God sees us, it r- r- radically, radically approach our, it'll radically change our approach to not just life, but the way we see others too. But I want to start off by asking uh, Christine, what was the inspiration for taking that approach? We have a mandate from Jesus. He asked us to do something that was so important that when he rose again from the dead, 
instead of going straight to heaven, he came to earth first and said, I, I want to give you one last instruction. Um, go into all the world and, you know, make disciples of all nations and disciple the nations. And um, my deal is that I somehow wanted to make Jesus's last commandment our first priority. And mm. I don't know that that would ever happen until we truly understand how God sees us how that then means we should see other people. Because if you don't understand that you're an image bearer, beloved of God, um, chosen by God, then the sentness is lost on you. And I think a lot of people are like, what would I go, whether it's in my workplace, my community, my college, um, my world, what on earth have I got to say to them? Is this really good news? And I, I still truly wonder whether a lot of Christians wonder whether our news is good news. Um, because if, if we really believe that it was that good, we would be telling everybody. We would be uh, living a life that bears witness to the truth. And I think the reason why a lot of us don't is because we don't understand how God sees us. And here's the other side. If we just think God sees us like I'm the apple of God's eye and nobody else matters, then I'm never going to do what God's called me to do. See, a part of a lot of teaching is like, God loves you. You're awesome. Come and sit at the feet of Jesus. And all that is true. Um, but there is a point that he has also commissioned us to go into all the world. So how do we bring the two things together? Um, how do we bring this aspect of the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, so sit at the feet of Jesus, be loved by Jesus, and also what does it mean to love your neighbor as you love yourself and to go into all the world and make disciples? And we have, I think, in many cases taken an either-or perspective to that. It's like either I'm about discipleship or I'm about evangelism. I'm about sitting at the feet of Jesus or I'm about going into the nations of the earth. And I'm like, is there a way we can merge both and have a far more holistic approach, which means we're going to have, um, we're going to be more fruitful and far more effective. So it's a really powerful sort of inspiration, you know, for this Bible study, you know, that, that, that idea of the Great Commission, that if we're called to go and reach the world and to reach all people, that we not only need to see us like God sees us, but we need to see others uh, how God sees them. Mm -hmm. And it helps us actually kind of recognize Jesus more. It changes our perception and the oh, way yeah. that we, we view God. And that's why this, this idea of kind of shifting our perspective to, to see how God sees uh, his creation is such a powerful idea. Um, here's how Christine explains it. You know, I open with the story uh, where Jesus um, in Luke 7 is uh, the woman comes in and he's at Simon the Pharisee's house. And, you know, Simon is is judging this woman and objectifying this woman. And Jesus, looking at the woman, says to Simon, Simon, do you see this woman? And I think that's like the message to our generation. Do you actually see the people yeah. that are around you? And really the premise is Simon never recognized Jesus at the table and if you don't truly recognize Jesus and how Jesus sees you, you're going to miss everybody else at the table too. So he missed the woman because he didn't even recognize that Jesus was the son of God. And I think in a lot of cases, uh, we don't even really see Jesus. We don't see how Jesus sees us. Therefore, we are missing a lost world. Yeah. It's yeah. such a, you know, I love how you know, she pulls in, you know, not just like scriptures, but actual Bible stories, 
you know, yeah. uh, uh, that 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 show this playing out. This isn't a modern church problem. This is a problem that Christians have had for a long time. Mm-hmm. Dating back that, to Peter. My favorite type of, of preaching, honestly, is is using the biblical narratives to to extrapolate uh, uh, lessons for us. It, it's I think that's just so interesting. And, and so it takes so much imagination to come up with something like that. It's really cool to hear. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of preaching, this next clip, uh, it, it's it's about five. It's a, basically Christine doing a an incredible five minute sermon out, uh, you know, just Off in conversation. Cup. That's how yeah, she yeah. operates. She is so passionate <laughs> about this because I wanted to ask her what I feel like it is kind of the, you know, obvious, you know, question that that this begs is. Well, if we need to see ourselves and others as God sees us, what is preventing us from doing that in the first place? Mm-hmm. And, and she had quite the response, and, and here it is. We are so aware of our own brokenness, I think, in many ways. You know, um, we know what we've done. We know what we think. <laughs> we, you know, I mean, it's not even like what's just been done to us, but all of us have got our own sense of um, I'm not worthy. So un- unless you truly know what it is to go to Jesus and to receive his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, and I think unless you really know what it is to put on the righteousness of Christ. You know, I, you, you know, my background, I come from a background of uh, abandonment and abuse and adoption um, and just a lot of brokenness um, as well as making a whole bunch of really wrong choices myself, you know, that just, you know, even if nothing had happened to me, I had done enough in my own life to kind of go, okay, there's a mess here. I was so full of shame, so full of guilt. And it took me, and I came from a very, a Greek Orthodox background, so very religious, very legalistic, very uh, performance-based, you know, uh, do good, get good, do bad, get bad. And so um, in my life, I just thought I'm bad. And shame does that. He's like, you know, I am so bad. If I wasn't bad, I wouldn't have been abused. If I wasn't bad, my mother wouldn't have left me in a hospital unnamed and unwanted. If I wasn't bad, I wouldn't do bad things. So I had this great concept of shame of like, I'm bad. There's something wrong with me. When you take that into your relationship with God, you, you can receive his forgiveness, but not really appropriate it into every part of your life. You go, okay, I know I'm forgiven by God. And I think really what that is, is a transactional thing in our head is like, okay, basically I know because of what Jesus did on the cross, when I die, I'm not going to go to hell and I'm going to go to heaven. And pretty much the rest of my life on earth is going to be existing. I'm going to have a few good moments, but I'm really going to be driven by shame and guilt. I think that's the the whole bottom line. Unless you're prepared to do the work that says, okay, I am going to put on Christ's righteousness. It's been given to me, um, but I don't think a lot of Christians actually put it on. We, we don't walk in the righteousness of Christ. I remember that, you know, in my early days of becoming aware of this, I would say maybe maybe a hundred times a day. I'm not exaggerating. I would stop and go, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ until, you know, you could not convince me otherwise now. But let me just say, if you knew me, um, you know, 20 years ago, you'd be you'd be going, I can't even believe you're the same person because I was so driven um, by guilt and shame. And I think a lot of us until, it's not only knowing intellectually, 
what the Bible says, like a series of doctrines about what the Bible says, our new position in Christ, behold, I'm a new creation, the old has passed away, the new has come, therefore there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. A lot of Christians can rattle off the scriptures, um, but they don't believe it. They don't internalize it. They don't allow the word to do the work from the inside out that brings transformation. And um, if that's the case, you're never going to see yourself as God sees you. Uh, You know, I always love to say, and I think a big foundation of the 2020 study is, you know, the great commandment, obviously, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And Jesus says the second is just like the first, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, the issue is most of us, do love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We just don't really like ourselves. And so when you don't really like yourself, it's reflected in the way you treat your neighbor because you're projecting onto them very often um, how you really feel about yourself, whether it's uh, fear-based, shame-based. Um, you know, if you if you really are comfortable with who you are in Christ, um, then you are a lot less judgmental of other people. You're a lot. It flows out, out of you. Flow rivers of living water. It comes. You're not trying to do it. You're not trying to be a Christian. You just are. It flows out of you. And a lot of us, we do love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We just love Him with all of our um, broken heart, all of our very wounded soul, and our very tormented mind. And so, when you love God out of that brokenness internally then how you see God is through the lens of that brokenness. And then how you see God seeing you is through that brokenness as well. So it's very flawed. And then how you act out in a lost and a broken world is from that place of brokenness. So we have to learn um, to come to God himself, to bask in his presence, to allow the Holy Spirit to bring internal healing to those wounded places, to those damaged places, to those broken places, so that we know how God sees us. And out of that, man, you see the whole world in a different way. And it's not like evangelism is something you have to do. And it's not like four spiritual laws, two ways to live, learn this formula, go out there and, you know, stand on a street corner. It becomes an outflow of who you are. So it's super powerful stuff. I'm so grateful, uh, like I said, for, for, for Christine and for her ministry. People can read more of this interview on the site. It'll be up next week. And also be sure to check out the 2020 Bible study. What a resource. Uh, we really appreciate Christine coming on today. Yeah, thanks, Christine. I always appreciate you taking time for us. And thanks for the conversation, Jesse. That was Christine Kane. Up next, it's our time for our, here we go, our Valentine's Day game. It's complicated. Stay with us. Listening to For Me, This Is Heaven by Jimmy Eat World. Oh, what a song. Day, classic. Still slaps. You can tell. Still slaps. If this, oh, if this, if this podcast just, just got twice as good, that's why. That's why. It's moving. It is moving. It's and a I can still feel the butterflies as they. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Every it, time it I hear that time, song. It is time. We're playing, we're playing a Valentine's Day game. It's called It's Complicated. Chandler, you are going to face off against our, our, our special guest, our Colin, Christina. Hi, Christina. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. You're, a, you're a kind of an old pro at this now because yeah. you've, uh, you, you were just listener of the week back last year, right? I was. It's one of my life goals to be a regular on the podcast, so it looks like it's going That's pretty well on. so far. Well, oh, you. It's going to slowly sneak in and kick us all out parasite style. Yeah. <laughs> Christina, how has your life changed since being listener of the week back in May? Man, hmm. Well, I think I have more confidence that I uh, my humor really isn't that off base um, because uh, you guys laughed at my scatological uh, humor. Well, Christine, we're very excited to have you. You're going to be, Tyler and I put together a game called It's Complicated. It's Valentine's Day. Do you have big Valentine's Day plans, Christina? My husband and I are actually snobs and we hate crowds. So we celebrated on Wednesday and had a blast. Hey, I love oh, that. I love, I love that. That's a, you're, you're a disruptor. I like that. I like that. You know, take it to the man. That's right. That's right. Raging <laughs> against the machine by celebrating Valentine's uh, Day on a Wednesday. I love it. I love power. It. Power. It's a power move. Not right, every Christina, relationship can take that. I'm going to, I'm going to jump right to the rules because they are complicated. No, they're actually not that complicated. Oh. Yeah. You, I'm going to alternate between questions between you and Chandler. Uh, I have several categories. One is worship lyric or love song lyric. One is Shakespeare or Song of Solomon. And one is actual Amish Christian romance fiction or one I made up. Uh, So across those (laughs) categories. (laughs) All right, let's do this. Those are the three categories. The winner will receive a packet of seeds of a plant of my choosing. <laughs> oh, God. Or a voucher Stakes. for a seed the packet. Stakes okay. have never been higher. A seed packet voucher. Now, seed packets, I'm assuming, are only a few dollars, and you will get one. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, l- less than a dollar a lot of times. I kill everything I try to plant. So you got to win those for the babies. <laughs> Chandler killed a plant, and his name was Clark this week. I bet it's a long story. You'll hear about it. <laughs> All right, Christina, you um, you are uh, the returning uh, listener of the week. I feel like the honor of going first should go to you. So, Christina, I'm going to read you a lyric. You have to tell me whether this is a lyric to a worship song or a love song. Here it is. Shine a light through an open door. Love and life I will divide. Turn away because I need you more. Feel the heartbeat in my mind. Is that a worship song or a love song? Oh, that's weird. Um, in my mind, I'm going to say it's a love song. You're right. It's Rihanna and Calvin oh, Harris's We Found Love in a Hopeless Place. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. Tyler and I noted yesterday, everyone knows, of course, that song. No one could name one verse. And that, that proves yep. it. Okay. Yep. So true. Powerful all stuff. Right. All right. All right, Chandler. She's Christina's got a point. Seeds are on the line. I know how important <laughs> this is to you. Here's the so lyric. Uh-huh. I'm looking for another kind of love. Oh, Lord, how I need it. The kind that likes to leap. The kind that likes to leap without a shove. Oh, you'd best believe it. To save a lot of time and foolish pride. I'll say what's on my mind. You love me. You cut me down to size. You blinded me with love, and it opened up my eyes. The the oh Lord part kind of is the tip off. 
But it could be, you know, it could be a love song, but I'm going to go with worship song. Tyler, reveal what the lyric, who, the, who sings this song. <laughs> this is a song called Crying. It is by Aerosmith. Stan oh, Tyler, it's back on the song. pod. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> it is worship. He, I don't think he's worshiping God. That was, that was a good one. That was a yeah. good one. All right, Chrissy, you have a commanding lead. Uh, let's see if, uh, let's see how you do with this lyric. Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heart beat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. Love song? I'm I'm sorry. That's Carrie Jones. Oh, the more I seek you. She must have written that after she got married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Dakota Carnes. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. So. yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want to cast any aspersions on Carrie Jones' right. character. On All right, so that, I, I can. I have a chance. Yeah, I still have a chance. Uh, that's that's gonna, that yeah, that yeah. closes out round one. Round two, uh, uh, you know, uh, Christina, you did very well round one. Round two, which is a little change of speed here. This is Shakespeare line or line from Song of Solomon. Christina, how well do you know the Bible? Yeah, very pretty well, yeah. I would say right. very well, but not seminary standard. Well, then you've got uh, a big leg up over Chandler. Yeah. Ch- Chandler, <laughs> when's the last time you've Chandler? When's the last time you've read the Song of Solomon? It's been, the a, while. Most, it's been a while. It's been the a most while, uh, uh, salacious book of of the Bible. Uh, for right? Sure. All right, Chandler, Shakespeare or Song of Solomon? Here it is. All right. All right. My bounty is as boundless as the sea. My love as deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have. For both are infinite. It's a toss up. So I'm just going to say Sol- Song of Solomon. That's Romeo and Juliet, dude. That's right, the easiest right. one. <laughs> I've also, I also don't oh, know Shakespeare at all. So that's like wishbone. This is, this is not good. That's like wishbone level. That's easy. Right. Right. I would have gotten that wrong. And I studied Shakespeare in London. So. Oh, oh, oh man. Right. I don't so feel both, bad. I appreciate, so you, I appreciate so you. Both know, so you both know your Shakespeare and your Bible. <laughs> Double threat. <laughs> On this podcast. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's see how, how you do, Christina. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fail. fair. Let me do that again. I butchered it. Uh, this is this is just awful on for Shakespeare and Solomon. Here we go. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes. <laughs> Which Shakespeare. <laughs> Evidently, in the time of Solomon, it was a compliment. I would have, I would have wow. guessed Song of Solomon. It was yeah. a compliment to say someone has dove's eyes. <laughs> oh, I do remember that kind of being creeped out. Hey, have you ever looked into dove's eyes? They're cold, dark, and dead. You know, <laughs> it's a weird compliment. Okay. All right, Chandler. Chandler, you can get back into uh, the game with All this. Right. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thine is better than wine. Song of Solomon. Uh oh, Christina, he's on the board. Oh, it's coming up. Coming <laughs> up, right, uh, Chandler. It, it, or, sorry, it's Chandler. Is it Christina? Is it your turn now? I lost track. Yes, my turn. Okay, I do know it is one one. Okay, all right, all right. Here is your chance to take back the lead. Doubt, <laughs> doubt the. You guys are not helping me. Here we go. Here we go. Doubt thou the stars are fire. Doubt that the sun doeth move. Doubt the truth to be a liar, but never doubt I love. Shakespeare. Yeah, that was, I feel like that was back on the board. Back on the board. Okay. (laughs) So we're coming into the final round here. This is real Christian Amish romance fiction novel or one that I made up. (laughs) 
round. And coming into this round, Christina, you have a two to one lead. How confident are you in this round? Uh, not much, but you know, YOLO. Okay. So <laughs> I each, you're right. So I will read I will read the title of an Amish fiction novel, tell you what series, every Amish Christian romance fiction is from a series, and a brief description of what is in the novel. You tell me it's real or fake. Are you guys ready for this? Yeah. Okay. All right. Remind me again whose turn is it? I think it's my my turn. Yeah. Yeah. This one is called A Recipe for Love from the Dairy Meadows series. Okay. <laughs> Love it. The novel's title is A Recipe it. for Love. It's from a series called The Dairy Meadows. And here's the description. A widowed butter maker. <laughs> a widow. A widow. I'm sorry. A widowed butter maker. You made this up. I'm already going to say that. Widowed butter maker over <laughs> Guys, I'm trying to do work here. This is my job. Widowed butter maker Obadiah John thought his chance at love was over. That is until he learns of an even more that even more than churning, his heart is yearning for the affection of Dairy Meadows' new resident, a school teacher who ironically is lactose intolerant. Real or fake? <laughs> a recipe for you made love. that up. You're right. You're right. It's two to two. It's two to two. <laughs> that was good, though. I okay. Like, I mean, okay. You, should, you, should, you should finish that book for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it writes itself from here. Yeah. Okay. All right, Christina. All right. This is, this is called The Fiddler. <laughs> the Fiddler is the title, and it's from the Home to Hickory Hollow series. Okay. Okay. The Fiddler from the Home to Hickory Hollow series. A 20-year-old violinist disillusioned with life and love after the collapse of her long-running romance, she sets out on a road trip through the Pennsylvania mountains, but she leaves her cell phones and her cares behind. When her car breaks down deep in the mountains, she follows the smell of wood smoke and the sound of music, and she finds a rustic log cabin. There she meets a young Amishman, and through him in a community will change her life forever. The Fiddler from the Home to Hickory Hollow series. Real or fake? I'm going with real. Yeah, that is real. And I, you know, uh, I got, nice. I'm going to read that one because <laughs> I am pretty excited. Inspiration now. All right, Chandler. Uh, uh, I think, she, uh, I think Christina just took the lead, right? Three yeah. to two. Yeah. All right. This one is called <laughs> Mending Fences. Uh, about a it's about, uh, hint. It's about a woodworker, someone who uh-huh. actually mends fences. It's from the Deacons family series. A woodworker named Luke is eager to impress Izzy, who also works at Windmill Farm. <laughs> Luke sets out to prove himself to her by locating her mother. When he does, her identity sends shockwave through the town of Stony Ridge. Real, Real. or fake? Real. Uh oh, we got ourselves a tie. Final question: <laughs> three to three. A bag of seeds on the line. Christina, are you ready for the final question? I am. You have to tell me if this is a real or fake Amish fiction uh, novel. It's called okay. Buggy. Buggy. Okay, and the series is called Evenings in Lancaster Valley. That is the name of the series. Buggy. Okay. A computer programmer's Tesla gets in a fender bender with a horse and buggy while traveling through (laughs) Amish country, which is being driven by the lovely Jebediah. Little does he know that when it comes to love, he hasn't worked out all of the bugs just yet. Fake. 
Yeah. How did you know? What tipped your hand? That's <laughs> <laughs> Jesse written all over it. Yeah. Uh, well, you did it, Christina. You won a bag of seeds. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll connect with you on Twitter to figure out how to Venmo you uh, eighty nine cents, and I'll let you go to the I garden have a special shop. Special request. I okay. have no intention of killing some baby plants. Please okay. defer my prize to the plant papa. Oh, I appreciate okay. that. Deal, deal. Chandler, Chandler, don't <laughs> let me just say this. Don't wait by the mailbox for your seeds. You'll get them. You'll get them. You'll get them when you get them. Christina, thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Many thanks to Christine Kane for joining us. Her 2020 Bible study is out now. Also, thanks to BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash relevant. Just fill out that questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash relevant. Also, hey, as long as you're on our Apple podcast page, subscribe to Relevant Daily. Monday through Friday, I bring you the top three stories at the intersection of faith and culture you need to know to stay informed. Uh, hey, and happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chandler String. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next time. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Juice Pizza Party Missionary Week Relevant Podcast Network